0: Hey there friends and welcome back to another episode of the Euphoria Health Podcast. To all my Victorian friends, I hope that you're continuing to stay positive through this extremely difficult period. For you guys overseas, my home state Victoria in Melbourne, Australia has been in lockdown for over seven months, with the past two to three months being extremely tight in terms of restrictions. This has taken a toll both physically and mentally for everyone around the globe, not just us Melbournians. I personally have been feeling really deflated as of late. The lack of connection with my family and friends is taking a big toll and I know many of you guys are in the same boat. This is such a unique time that, you know, we've never faced before in our life but Looking post-lockdown and post-COVID, we have the ability to rewrite the script for what our life looks like post-lockdown. I pose the challenge to you and the question to you guys, what have you learned from this challenging year that you'll implement post-lockdown? Let's join the conversation on social media by screenshotting the cover of the podcast and writing your reply, tagging the Euphoria Health Instagram page. I'd love to connect. Now, back to the show. This week, I was fortunate enough to sit down with Millie Padula, who is an Australian accredited dietitian. I had a blast recording this one, Millie, and we dove deep into a topic that we've all heard before, and that's fiber. Fibre is the holy grail of nutrients with a plethora of health properties. And we're not talking about fibre supplements here like Metamucil, we're talking about good old-fashioned whole foods which contain a whole host of other important nutrients enabling us to thrive. Millie shared with us some alarming statistics about Australian's dietary patterns showing us that under 10% of adults are eating enough fruits and vegetables in their diet. This is crazy considering the benefits of a diet that is rich in fibre. Millie and I brainstormed and shared some incredible ways that you guys can increase your overall fruit and vegetable consumption by providing some hot practical tips on how to do so. We were also so excited to make an impact that we teamed up to create a fantastic resource for you guys to use at home. This resource elaborates on the most up-to-date research surrounding plant diversity and how beneficial it can be to aim for 30 different varieties of plants throughout your week. This challenge is both fun and exciting and I'd love to see you guys share the resource far and wide. Create a little challenge in your household or with a friend to see who hits 30 different types of plants in your week. When we're talking about plants here guys, plants like fruits and vegetables all plants, nuts and seeds are all plants, whole grains are all plants, so both myself and Millie's goal here is to increase our overall fruit and vegetable consumption period, and this is a great place to start. Millie, thank you for sharing your wisdom during today's episode. I had an absolute blast. Don't forget to let Millie and I know what you thought of the show or what you're thinking of the resource and how you're incorporating it into your lifestyle. We'd love to hear from you and we'd love to connect. Well, that's enough for me, friends. I'll see you on the other side. Millie Padula, welcome to the weekly Dose of Euphoria podcast.
1: Thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me.
0: I'm so glad I got your last name pronounced right. We were just chatting before and I got it first go. So I'm glad that that translated once I press record.
1: You did. And like I said, one of the very few to actually get it correct. So well done on that front.
0: (laughs) Yeah, my listeners would know I do have a track record of um, mispronouncing people's surnames. So we're off to a really, really good start.
1: (laughs) Off to a cracker already.
0: (laughs) Millie, I'm absolutely immersed with everything that you're doing in the whole food nutrition space. And I think you're spreading such a really, really important message through, through this day and age, encouraging people to really take control of their own health and, and start looking inwards at their own lifestyle and what factors can contribute to the presence of disease. I'm super, super pumped to get into that, but let's bring it back right to the beginning for the listeners at home and talk to us a little bit about what life was like for Millie growing up.
1: Oh, good question. I've never been asked that before. So um, I haven't had much, much time to think about that. But for me, you know, I was so lucky to grow up in a really supportive family and have a really, really, um, I guess I call it a a beautiful upbringing. And I was so fortunate and so privileged to grow up um, with parents who always had my best interests, at heart and were always supporting me to do what i wanted and to follow my dreams and i've always been very much interested in nutrition and health and i played a lot of sport when i was younger so i think that's really where my love for um, healthy living and and pursuing a career as such around healthy lifestyles uh, initiated from so i grew up with a brother and a sister Food was, again, like I sort of mentioned, very central to our upbringing. My dad's Italian, so you can, hence the last name, but I think you could sort of imagine what, um, you know, meal times were like and what our family environment was like. It was always about food. When's our next meal? What are we having? What are we cooking? What are the flavors doing? So, yeah, look at the, looking back at my upbringing, I've been um, super, super fortunate, and I couldn't speak highly enough of the, the life I've had
0: yeah I, I definitely can resonate with the italian background and upbringing and everything was surrounded by food we always had to pair that with something and you could never have a conversation without talking about food so <laughs> i can definitely relate exactly. that.
1: yeah we sort of joke about now with my with my mum and dad that when we wake up the first thing they they say to us or you know what they used to say to us was what are we having for dinner and it's like six thirty in the morning it's always thinking about that next meal which is quite funny
0: yeah, I can definitely relate even now in my um in my adult years as well. Me and my girlfriend will plan what we're having for dinner on Friday night like the Sunday of the week before. So, yeah, food okay. is always at the center of the conversation, which I think is a really, really good trait to have. Putting like your nutrition and placing a high value on that is really, really important and I think it just shows that you really care about the things that are going into your body. Would you agree?
1: 100 percent. And I also think it's important to view food more than just what it is in terms of fuel and calories and macronutrients. And it is all about bringing people together. And like we were saying, both of us coming from Italian families, it's about tradition and culture and um, all of those wonderful things that often get uh, sort of left behind, you know, when we talk about nourishment and, and food and what it can do for us.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I guess somewhere along the lines we've oversimplified the whole nutrition realm and we've started looking at at food as simply just calories in and color is out and we've lost that, you know, emotional aspect that we do and the connection a- aspect that we get from um, eating and immersing ourselves in different cultures and and the foods they have to bring, which I think is so valuable and I'd I'd love for the general population to start placing more of an importance on that because it's definitely part of um part of, you know, my upbringing i absolutely love that look back on those years and, and just really thrived in those times
1: yeah i couldn't agree more and it's something i work on a lot with my clients as well is yes it's important to prioritize nutrition and nourish nourishment in terms of you know health and and disease prevention and all of those sorts of things but your relationship with food is just as important so you know how do you see food do you feel guilty when you eat food? Are you enjoying certain foods? Is food more than numbers and, and calories to you? So I'm glad that, um, yeah, you sort of agree with me there and, and you can see the importance of um, viewing food for sort of all, all all that it can be and in all its forms.
0: Yeah, definitely. I could not agree more. I love where this conversation is heading already now, Mele. We're <laughs> going to take a little bit of a detour and talk about some specifics of food and break it down a little bit. And I'm sure people at home would have heard the word fibre thrown around before. And it is such an important nutrient that we absorb from you know whole foods um, in particular fruits and vegetables but the key word there is whole foods so foods in their original form for people at home that you know have heard of fiber but don't really know what it is would you be able to explain what that is and where it's found
1: Of course. Yeah, fibre is one of my favourite topics to talk about. All you have to do is ask my partner and every time we talk about a meal, um, he'll go, oh, you know, meal, do you reckon this is a good thing to have for dinner? And I'm like, "Well, you know, we could add a little bit more fibre in there. Um, But, look, essentially fibre is the indigestible part of plant food. So that's its really scientific sort of um, less glamorous definition. But what I love about fibre is what it can do for our body. So its main role is to keep our digestive systems nice and healthy, and to keep um, again our, our bowels regular so too much information but that's why as dietitians we're always talking about let's get in more fiber let's keep our gut nice and regular and let's allow those gut bugs essentially to thrive so fiber is found in fruits and vegetables which I'm sure a lot of us are familiar with but also in whole grains and nuts seeds and legumes as well so chickpeas lentils all of those wonderful pulses Um, And it it is a type of carbohydrate. So a lot of people, I guess, would negatively um, have a bit of a negative connotation with carbohydrates. But I guess it's one of the main reasons that I don't ever advise for people to cut out carbohydrates or follow low carbohydrate or keto diets is because they will be missing out on fiber, which is such um, an important aspect of our diet. So there's three different types of fiber. And it's really important to get a nice balance of all three in our diet, which sort of comes back to one of my nutrition philosophies and my messages, which is variety. So the more variety, the better. And if you're getting a variety of those different plant foods that I mentioned before, you definitely will be consuming all of these different fibers that I'm about to talk about. So you have your soluble fiber and this type of fiber dissolves in water to form a gel essentially in your digestive tract. So this slows down how quickly food moves through our digestive system. And the slower that food moves through our digestive system, the more fuller we are likely to be. So something that I'm always telling my clients is make sure you're adding fiber to not just your meals but also your snacks, because this will keep you fuller for longer stabilize your blood sugar levels um, also control that appetite and one of my favorite things about soluble fiber which you know we might even get to get into a little bit later is that they are a type of prebiotic fiber so you've probably heard lots about prebiotics in the news or in the media it's a very very trendy topic in the in the health and wellness world but prebiotics are found in foods like oats and onions, garlic, chickpeas, all of those, those wonderful fibrous foods. They ferment in our gut and cause our, our gut bugs to, to thrive or to, or to, to grow, essentially so that's one of our fibers we've then got our insoluble fiber so this is more so a structural component of plants and this adds roughage and bulk to our stool so we we sort of refer to it as a mop so it mops up everything that's sort of i guess um you know hanging around in our and in our digestive systems and pushes it through so that it can be excreted and this type of fiber is found in the skin and seeds of our fruits and vegetables and also cooked beans and things like all brands so all those really high fiber um, cereals and grains and then lastly we have our resistant starch so as the name suggests this type of fiber is resistant to digestion and it acts in a really similar way to our soluble fiber which i was talking about before and it ferments in the gut to produce what we call short chain fatty acids and this type of compound you you don't have to remember the word because it is quite um quite scientific and and quite exact but essentially when different types of fibers ferment in our gut they produce these short chain fatty acid compounds which prove to be beneficial for our health so when i say beneficial for our health i'm referring to potentially reduced inflammation, um, stronger immunity, better mental health, and fiber also can play a really important role in, in weight management. So that's the, the, the fiber in a nutshell. It's quite a lot to get your head around, but all you really have to remember is the, the more variety of plant foods that you are eating every single day, the better. And there's one of my favorite facts, which I tell everyone, is that if you aim to eat 30 different types of fiber, every single week you will structurally change your um digestive system in terms of the type of bacteria that are living in there so that's yeah one of my favorite um tips and tricks and something that i get a lot of my clients to try and implement
0: millie i absolutely love that definition there And, and i really love your summary there that we don't have to necessarily worry about the if you're just the average person don't have to necessarily worry about soluble insoluble resistant starch we just have to worry about variety and i think that's such a great point and a really really useful and practical tip that we can all adopt
1: yeah exactly i agree and it's, it's um something fun as well and in, in terms of experimenting with different types of fruits and vegetables and, and play around with your cooking um try a few different meals and and you'll be surprised what um you actually know what you actually enjoy and sometimes it's um not what we expect
0: yeah definitely it's interesting that you mentioned that word fun i'm taking a little bit of a detour on this my personal (laughs) training philosophy is always incorporating fun and i try to incorporate games into into fitness to try and get people steering away from that sort of oh fitness you know damn it have to do burpees component to you know posing a challenge and incorporating fun. And when when you're having fun, you're not thinking about anything else. That's the reality of it. So incorporating fun into our lifestyle, in particular, breaking it down further and talking about fun with nutrition, fun with exercise, it really, really makes an enjoyable component and it gets you talking in a positive way about the things that, you know, can easily be spoken about negatively.
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. As soon as you lose the fun and enjoyment, it becomes a chore and a task. And a question that I get all the time is, how do I make my healthy habits sustainable? And I say, you you know, you have to enjoy them. You have to have fun with it. Otherwise, you'll throw the towel in, you you go back to you know essentially where you were, and you won't have achieved anything because it's all been too serious, and and you haven't allowed yourself to to enjoy life and and health for what it is.
0: Love that, Millie, and I know we're going to elaborate that on that later in the podcast as well. I'm not sure if you've personally read this book or not by Doctor. Will Bolshewitz, Fiber Fueled. Have you read that
1: before, Millie? I haven't. I haven't even heard of it, but it sounds like one I'll need to add to my list.
0: Definitely get your hands on it. I'm completely immersed in it at the moment. And Dr. Will Bolshewitz, he's a gastroenterologist in the US and he's praising fiber for and giving it all the recognition that it needs and he's compromised this book and he's um, analyzed all of these different journal articles and and all of his obviously personal expertise and he's put it in a book format and it is so easy to read it is really fun it's exciting and it explains the process of uh, explains how important fiber is very very easy to read, guys. So if you haven't got it, get your hands on that. And Millie, I would highly recommend it. Speaks about everything that we've just touched on, but but in depth, and it shows the correlation between you know lack of fiber consumption and the presence of varied chronic disease and things like that. So yeah, would recommend.
1: Yeah, I'll have to um get on to that. And interesting what you say there about you know lack of, and that's something that I focus on a lot of the time. Is so often we're focused around. Um, I guess what we can remove from from our diet and what we should be cutting out and restricting but we're not focusing on what we should be including more of which is where fiber comes in and i think we're yeah we're so um i guess persuaded or obsessed with the idea of, of cutting out and restricting food groups but what can we what can we be including in more including more of and and that's where fiber comes in for me is um you know, the more fiber that you're getting in the diet, the more whole foods you're getting, therefore the more nutrients and so on. So I I agree with what you were saying. It's not so much about what we're not eating, but it's about what we are actually eating or including too.
0: Yeah, I love it. Based on what we know, we know that a a lot of Australians aren't particularly consuming enough fiber as they probably should. For people at home that are sort of wondering how much fiber you need per day, what is the recommended daily intake of fiber and how can we, you know, achieve um, that overall goal.
1: Yeah, really good question. In terms of the statistics, only 7% of the Australian population are actually eating enough vegetables, so not doing so well there. So perhaps we need to look at um, increasing our, our vegetable intake in, and therefore increasing our fibre intake. But in terms of the amount that we should be getting every single day, the adequate intake for Australian adults um, is for women 25 grams a day and for men 30 grams a day. So the the only reason that i don't love these recommendations is because for the general population we don't know how many grams of fiber are in specific foods. so it, it's all well and good to say yeah we need to get 25 to 30 grams a day but how do we actually achieve that and just before i get into a few tips and tricks on how you can look at uh, increasing the fiber in your diet every single day I just wanted to reiterate that there is no sort of upper limit in terms of fiber so there's some new research coming out now that says you can consume you know up to 50 60 even 70 grams depending on who you are and that can be even more beneficial for your health than consuming that 25 to 30 grams so just something to be mindful of i think in terms of fiber and gut health and it being an ever-changing topic as such in the health industry that they will be releasing Uh, new statistics and new recommended intakes um, over the next couple of years. So just something to to keep to keep in mind and look when it comes to fiber one of my top tips is make sure that you're doing it gradually so if you follow a really low fiber diet at the moment and by low fiber i mean not eating enough fruits and vegetables or choosing refined carbohydrates not including things like lentils and chickpeas and beans in your in your diet every single day If you swap to a really, really high fiber diet where you are including those things regularly, that can cause a little bit of havoc and shock for your digestive system. So the first place to start is gradual. When you're also increasing your fiber intake, you need to make sure that you're matching your fluid. What we know about fluid, of course, is that it pushes everything through our digestive tract. So if we're not hydrate enough or drinking enough water throughout the day, the fibre can get a little bit complacent or stuck as such in our intestines and it doesn't move things through nicely. So again, something to keep in mind. In terms of the ways that we can increase fibre in our diet. A really, really easy place to get started is to ensure that your meals, uh, breakfast, lunch and dinner, at least half of them are filled with some sort of fruits or vegetables. So if that's where you start, I'm, I'm more than happy with that. Next time you are trying to think of something to eat for breakfast, lunch and dinner, make sure half of the plate is filled with vegetables or fruit and even better, try to Uh, aim for a variety of different colors so this goes back to that concept of eating the rainbow and the more different colors that you consume on a daily basis the more nutrients you will be getting as well so we can go into um, a few tips and tricks on how to increase fiber if you like Matt I love that
0: Millie I really enjoy that that bit that you just mentioned b- before about variety and, and making it practical for people to understand how much fiber that we get in the day because the reality is people aren't going next to an apple and, and putting it into a calculator and, and adjusting how much fiber is in the apple you know um so a more practical way is is that variety tip and i'll take you back to the, fr- the start of the podcast when you mentioned trying to get at least 30 different fruits or vegetables it throughout the week to optimize our gut microbiome and um incorporate variety so i really think that's a great point as well
1: yeah i totally agree it's all, all about all about variety which is something i harp on about all the time which i'm sure you can um you can see across my my instagram page yeah. it's one of my, one of my key messages in my nutrition philosophy so yeah definitely
0: love it feel free to share some more tips i'm sure the the listeners are completely immersed by now so yeah fire yeah. away
1: yep definitely so in terms of fiber so i spoke about making sure 50 percent of your plate is some sort of vegetables or fruit another thing that i think is really important is we're, seem, we're seeming to lack uh, ex, um, experimenting, I guess, in terms of our cooking. So when it comes to our vegetables, something I see all the time with my clients is they'll come to me and say, I have boiled veg- veggies every night and I'm really bored and I'm really tired of them and I, I hate vegetables. So I, how can you possibly think that I'm going to fill 50% of my plate with, with this type of food? And I I say to people, don't be afraid to change up the way that you cook food. So with vegetables in particular, if you're boiling them, try baking, try frying, grilling, roasting. The way that you cook food can change so much about so much in terms of the flavor and the texture profile that it can essentially make it a whole nother food. And I think we get so caught up on, well, if we cook it this way, are we going to be losing nutrients or retaining more nutrients if, if we cook? cook our vegetables another way but i think we're not we're not there yet like i mentioned to you earlier only seven percent of australians are eating enough vegetables full stop so Being concerned with the amount of nutrient retention is not um, a priority at the moment. We just need to make sure that we're getting enough in full stop. So experimenting with different cooking methods is a really good one. Adding flavor to fibrous foods can be another really, really helpful tip. So I'm talking about things like herbs and spices and even sauces. And unfortunately, sauces do get a bit of a bad rap because they are a little bit higher in salt fat and sugar, which, you know, generally we try and keep these nutrients to a minimum. But I always say to my clients, if adding a little bit of Uh, say sauce or tomato sauce or mayonnaise or or whatever it might be to your vegetables to make them more palatable for you, then that is totally okay. At the end of the day, I'd rather you be eating vegetables with a little bit of sauce or a little bit of cheese or, you know, the same goes for things like chickpeas and lentils, make them flavoursome so that you actually enjoy them. And getting them in is the hardest part, but the most important.
0: Yeah, another really thing great great bit of advice there. sorry to cut yeah. you off Gone. <laughs>
1: no no you're fine I, as you can tell i could talk about fiber and vegetables all day so <laughs> cut me off <laughs> if i am rambling on but just one more tip on vegetables and fiber is to include them more in snacks so i think we do generally find it easier to have side salads or sides of vegetables with our main meals but with our snacks we're usually reaching for those um, more processed options so those discretionary foods that that often come out of a packet and we know aren't as nutritious for us so with vegetables could you have a boiled egg for a snack could you chop up some carrots or celery and have that with dip or or peanut butter so just try and be a little bit more um, i guess innovative with it with how you include vegetables across your day and and just don't be afraid to experiment and try different things
0: Millie, really some fantastic bits of advice there and and You mentioned it before, there's people that are on different ends of this spectrum, for lack of a better term, where, you know, you're one end of the spectrum, you're consuming more fiber than the other end of the spectrum. And along that spectrum, there's different tips and tricks that can apply to all. I really think that that's such a really, really good place to start though, guys. The tips that Millie just said, half your plate, adding dressings or or flavorings to your vegetables and cooking them in a different way. There's some fantastic tips. And like you said, Millie, getting them in is far more important.
1: Yeah, exactly. I couldn't agree more. And I think those three points that you just reiterated are are a really simple way that I think everybody can start at no matter what you've got access to or what you like.
0: I'd love to, I'd love to do this for the listeners at home and, and paint like a little scenario picture so people can truly grasp the information we're doing. So Millie, someone's, you know, filled with enthusiasm, they've, you know, listened to this podcast and they're super excited to go to the supermarket and get some more fibre into their diet, which I hope that's what's going to happen to majority of the population. (laughs) But where does someone start, you know, before they go to the supermarket, when they're filled with enthusiasm, do you recommend that someone should have a plan about what they're going to cook cook roughly throughout the week first before going to the supermarket or should they just go wing it and sort of see what happens on the day? What would your advice be there?
1: Good question. I think, speaking from experience, in times where I have winged it myself, it never ends well. So, going in with a plan is is really important and a, a good place to start. So, what I like to do, and something that I recommend to a lot of my clients, is to make a list at the start of the week. So, think about what type of meals you you would like to have. And this is um, a, I guess a bit a bit more of a personal opinion coming through, but I don't meal plan or prep just because. I I really enjoy cooking and I really enjoy being creative and coming up with meals on the spot with what I've got in the fridge. But I also appreciate that not everybody loves cooking as much as I do. So I think preparing, um, preparing a list and thinking about what types of meals you're going to have for the week, writing down the ingredients that you need and going with that list is an excellent place to start. So it doesn't necessarily have to be, okay, I'm going to have chicken curry with this amount of vegetables. And then the next night we're going to have lentil bolognese, but just roughly thinking about what types of meals you would like to to formulate throughout the week and making sure that you've got what you need. Because we know that if you don't have what you need, that's when it's easy to turn to takeaway foods. So making a list is is a great one, I think as well with making a list. And I don't know if you're the same, Matt, but I find that if I'm following a list in the supermarket, I'm really concerned with, okay, I've got to get that ingredient. And I can't forget that one because I don't want to come back later. And I'm less distracted by like specials and deals and things that are going on. And, you know, the chocolate. Um, Totally
0: can relate. Yeah, hundred (laughs) percent.
1: Yeah. So that's why I think making a list is really important. Another thing that I, I just want to touch on in terms of where to begin at the supermarket and this just doesn't go for anybody who's looking to increase more fi- increase the fiber in their diet, but just looking to generally eat a little bit healthier is don't be too persuaded by marketing and labels. So label reading is important to an extent, but don't get too caught up on it because companies uh, are now aware that we, that we pick up a label and, and we look at it. So. They have now, you know, so many companies slap on different phrases and slogans like low fat, low sugar, gluten free, plant based, vegan or whatever it might be to make us think that their product is healthier than it actually is. So always go in there with it with an open mind and take whatever you read with a grain of salt. So just um, I'm really passionate about (laughs) marketing terms and companies persuading us to believe that their products are healthier than they are and i, I don't know why or, or where that comes from but i think nutrition is confusing enough for most of us so we don't need to be um, manipulated by by food companies or the food industry and and who, who make it even harder for us so uh, another another really good tip is um, you know stick to to whole foods where you can so something that i hear a lot is um I can, yeah stick to the to the perimeters of the the supermarket and I agree with that to a certain extent but I also think there are a lot of valuable and really nutritious foods that you can find in the middle aisles so things like tinned chickpeas lentils, noodles, pastas, whole grain bread they're all really really wonderful foods um, that you cannot find on the perimeter so don't be afraid to to go down the middle aisles and and see what you can find at the end of the day you need to fill your pantry with pantry staples so that you have things on hand for when you do need to create a meal really quickly or perhaps you've come home from work and, and you don't have time to put together something super glamorous at least you know you've got some nutritious staples in there that you can use so a few of my tips um for where to where to begin at the supermarket again i could go on all day about this so feel free to jump in uh, if you want to move into that
0: <laughs> no, love
1: it. yeah did you have any um what are your sort of tips and tricks around the supermarket do you have anything that works for you
0: I really love that um, word that you use manipulated when you're talking about how the the food companies are are putting a level of marketing ahead of our nutrition because it is so true. These slogans that they put on the packages like vegan, um, plant-based, for example. I know a lot of my listeners are immersed in that realm. Um, Then you've got like low-fat, like keto for, for all those different adjectives that they put on and then you turn to the back and there is like completely these ingredients that you know don't even make sense there's numbers and all these other different things and then you turn it back over to the front and it's a complete different product so I think it's really really important to stick to whole foods where you can first and first and foremost but be open-minded like you said before to breaking down the nutrition panel. And guys, if you're really, really unsure of where to start in a nutrition panel, I did a podcast with Ali McLean, who is a whole food nutritionist, and she took us step by step on the things that you should be looking out for and, and some key points um, when you're reading the back of a label. So go and listen to that. I, I would highly recommend. And, and I love that that saying, stick to the perimeters. But I do also agree with you there, Millie, that there's so many um nutrient rich and nutrient dense foods that are within the aisles and i guess sorry to ramble on here this is a long sentence <laughs> um, another right. thing another thing that does really impact the way you shop is shopping hungry so a tip that i would give for you guys is to make sure that you're well nourished before going to the supermarket because we all know when we're hungry we're not making the right decisions so those specials where you know the chocolate in the, on the front of the aisle may be cheaper, we might not necessarily put that in our basket if we're well nourished and well fed because our brain is obviously functioning at an optimal level. So making sure that you're well nourished before you go to the supermarket.
1: Yeah, I agree. And just one more thing, if you don't mind me jumping in there, Matt, in terms of frozen fruits and vegetables, I get a lot of questions about this from my clients. Are they as nutritious and are they okay to have? And the answer is absolutely 100%. They are just as nutritious as their fresh counterparts or as fresh produce juice, if not even a little bit more, because what we know about frozen fruits and vegetables is that they're snap frozen right at harvesting point. And a lot of fruits and vegetables that we come across in the supermarket may have been sitting on the shelves for weeks or in storerooms or cool rooms. So don't be afraid to to buy frozen fruits fruits and vegetables. And quite often they're they're a lot cheaper as well. So if I can encourage you to do so, always um, keep some frozen fruits and veggies as a backup in your freezer.
0: Yeah, totally, totally agree with that. My um, freezer is filled with about six packets of frozen blueberries at the moment. <laughs> I absolutely love them, and corn and peas—they're really convenient, and they're like you said before, they're snap frozen, so a lot of the nutrients are still, you know, kept in them. So yes, they're um, nutrient dense, if not more, than the the fresh fruit and vegetables
1: yeah exactly and you can quickly add them into stir fries if you if you need some extra vegetables or with the fruit in um, smoothies and and things like that and I even sometimes use frozen fruit in baking so the the limit the limitations are um, I mean there is no limitations for frozen for frozen produce you've just got to be creative and um, you know don't be afraid to to bring your fresh produce uh, sorry your frozen produce out of the freezer to defrost as well if if you're concerned about um, about that as well so giving it time to defrost and then it's it's right there ready to add into your pasta sauce or your curry or, or whatever it is that you're cooking that that night so yeah, I'm a, a big fan of <laughs> the frozen produce, as you cool. can tell.
0: Yeah, definitely <laughs> evident, and I love it. And we spoke about variety a few times in this in this podcast yes. so far, Millie. And I think a practical tip that I have recently taken on board over the past sort of year, and it's been reiterated in podcasts with Doctor Will Bolshewitz and his book. And as if you cannot tell already, I'm immersed with him. I love his work. One tip that yeah. he <laughs> promotes is trying one new fruit or vegetable each time you go to the supermarket so if you see this sort of like weird looking fruit with six legs and and got hair (laughs) all over try it because it's optimizing your microbiome and and the microbiome what we know obviously this is a completely separate podcast topic that we could chat for days about but in a nutshell you mentioned it earlier it's the bacteria in your gut and they feed off foods that we put into our body and to try and give your body more variety with your microbiome we need to give it more variety of fiber. So each food contains different amounts and different types of fiber that we touched on before. So optimizing variety will entail, optimize your microbiome and give you the best results out of that. So that's another tip that I do guys.
1: Definitely. I love that one too. It's a quick equation, isn't it? Variety in your diet equals variety in your gut, which equals greater health outcomes. That's what I always am preaching to my clients. So love that. All all about the variety.
0: (laughs) I like that quote so much. I might even use it for the snippet for the podcast, Millie. Good one.
1: (laughs) Yes, please do.
0: (laughs) So now, you know, we've purchased all these amazing ingredients. Um, We've got a diverse range of colour. We've got the rainbow. We've got a new type of fruit or vegetable that we've never heard of before, but we're excited to eat it abundance of fiber in our basket when we get home what's next like what would you recommend in terms of practicality for me i make sure that all my vegetables are washed and soaked in apple cider vinegar um, just to help you know remove a lot of the what's a, what's the word that I'm looking for? The pesticides and the things that yep, they spray bacteria. on the vegetables, the bacteria. Yes. Yeah, so just gives that extra protection strips those layers off if you're not buying organic. Um, but washing is definitely a priority, but then I, I I chop my vegetables as well, Millie. And I think that really, really convenient for when you're hungry and you're you're not sure about what you want to cook for dinner, because the reality is we're not going to be at the top of our game hundred percent of the time. So planning for those situations is going to set us up to succeed. So for me, for a quick example, guys, I get some capsicum and I make sure that I chop it up and then put it all in a container, chopped up or ready to go. So therefore I've got capsicum that I can snack on throughout the day that is already, you know, a perfect snack by itself. Then I can add it to stir fries. There's so many different variables that I can do with that chopped capsicum. And it is so much easier, I might admit. So that's a that's a tip that I use. I'm interested to see if you have any other, other tips, Millie.
1: I think you took the words out of my mouth. They they were my tips as well. Definitely, you know, chopping your vegetables so so that you've got them there and ready to go. But in terms of the storage, I think something that I find has worked for myself and my clients is keeping your food in clear containers. So if I've ever kept some, let's say, chopped up carrots or chopped up celery in a container that I can't see through, I forget about it and I push it to the back of the fridge and then I find it a week later. And let's just say it's similar to that furry fruit that you were referring to. So, um, yeah, I think it's really important to, to to be prepared, but don't be afraid to buy things like, you know, I know we're talking about vegetables here, but let's say rice was something that we wanted to prepare. Um, cooking rice in bulk and storing that in separate serves can be a, a really nice way to make sure that you've got some readily available whole grains to add to your meals. Um, but as well, you know, there is things like microwave rice or microwave quinoa as well, that if you are a little bit time poor, you can add into your meal as well. And again, it, it goes back to that that variety and getting in more fibre, but making it um, sustainable and, and realistic as well. And I know some people don't love spending hours in the kitchen, which I mentioned before, or they don't want to spend hours preparing their meals or chopping their produce, but do what works for you and your lifestyle and, and be okay with that as well. So yeah, there yeah, are tips. Yeah, <laughs> really love
0: it. Really, really great tip there with the clear containers. It um, It's almost like out of sight, out of mind. So if we can actually physically exactly. see the vegetables, yeah. it makes us more inclined to eat them. And since I've started you know, soaking my vegetables in apple cider vinegar, rinsing them, obviously, and then chopping them up, I find that I have more diversity on my plate. And, you know, like if you've got four different vegetables, for example, that I've already chopped and prepared when it comes time to cook dinner, you're not sitting there and, and having to allocate 45 minutes to cook the meal. It can potentially save you 20 minutes at meal time, So when you get home, optimizing that extra half an hour, 45 minutes to chop your vegetables is going to take away that stressful Um, period for when it's time to cook dinner at home or cook lunch or cook breakfast, whatever you're doing. And I really think it's um, an investment in time, guys. So that's a tip that I've used and it's saved my life, honestly.
1: I do agree with that, and I think while you're in the swing of things, you know, when you've been to the supermarket, you've got your bags, you're you're already in the motion of of your daily activities. Do it there and then, where you know when you sit down, you put the TV on, you make you make yourself a coffee or a cup of tea. It, it's that a little bit harder to get up and and find that motivation to to put together a healthy meal. So I really like that of getting it done quickly, and then it will save you time and potentially um, you know a takeaway meal later down the track. So really important.
0: Great Millie and I know we were talking about fiber as the forefront here but I really love that practicality tip of cooking rice in bulk and that can last don't quote me on this guys obviously depends on your refrigerator temperature and and all that sort of stuff but check it every time every day you're going to eat it that can last between five to seven days in the fridge
1: yeah definitely and you can freeze freeze these portions as well definitely yes
0: Millie I'm not sure if you've (laughs) done this tip before but it's with potatoes to maximize time you know when you're roasting potatoes you've got a chopper sometimes you peel the skin if they're not washed and and all that sort of stuff it can end up taking 45 minutes so a little tip that i do is i get the already washed potatoes wash them again as we all know i'm a bit pedantic about getting all those pesticides off off there
1: you You just you don't know what's floating around in the air (laughs)
0: definitely definitely and then i grab my potatoes obviously the oven's already preheated and i put holes in it with a fork so obviously when you're cooking it in the oven the heat goes inside the potato it has been a lifesaver for me it takes about half an hour you can cook the whole bag at once and then you've got potatoes in the fridge that can last you for when you know you're stressed out at mealtime. time so guys fork in the potato after you've washed them chuck them in the oven for half an hour obviously monitor them um, when they get a little bit soft they're a fantastic easy convenient way to get your good sources of carbohydrates in
1: Love that. And just um I know you mentioned, of course, you know, it is appropriate to peel the skin on say like your brushed potatoes and things like that. But in terms of fibre, um a lot of the, the fibrous compounds are found in the skin. So for things like carrots and um, you know, even mushrooms, I'm trying to think what else is zucchinis, um potatoes, of course, sweet potatoes, pumpkins. Fruit. Don't be afraid kiwi fruit, um, apples. Don't be afraid to, to keep the skin on because that is where a lot of the nutrients are found. So that's that roughage or that insoluble fiber that I was talking about at the start, um, which can you know keep your digestive system nice and healthy, but also keep you fuller for longer too. So just a little tip there in terms of fiber.
0: Love it, Millie. And we've spoken about all these great, useful, practical tips. I think the listeners will be jotting these down as we go. But another one that I think is really, really practical as well is incorporating more vegetables into our main portions already. For me, I don't know about you. For me, it's not a meal unless there's, you know, two or three, even four different types of vegetables in there that I try to incorporate in my lifestyle. But that's how I try and get as much fiber into my diet. And I do things like making smoothies with um, spinach and peas in there. So it already is blitzed up and, you know, you're already getting those those cups or those servings of fibre without you even realising it. I think that's a great tip. So, guys, just quickly, the recipe that I use is one cup of soy milk, almond milk, water, if you like that. Uh, I use a handful of spinach or kale, depending. That's my little green recipe. I get half a cup of berries or maybe even banana, Um, If you're wanting a different flavor, I'll add a scoop of protein powder that is um, plant-based. It is not essential. That's just what I do just for taste. Um, And it's more than likely I'll have this post-training. So really good source of protein there as well. I have a tablespoon of cacao powder and you can't have anything without peanut butter. So that's a little recipe that I use to... (laughs) Peanut butter is amazing. But that's a little recipe that I use guys to incorporate more servings of fiber into my diet. I'm not sure if you have any tips like that, Millie, for the listeners at home.
1: Yeah, really good one. I actually had written down the smoothie one because I'm sure you can vouch for this map. But things like kale and even peas and spinach are tasteless when you mm. mix them with. Um, a sweeter food like uh, like a banana or a berry so even things like zucchini and avocado can be a really nice way to add some extra fiber into smoothies as well um, and are often tasteless so as as much as the color which i'm sure you can agree with might not be the most appealing you you can't taste um, all that green goodness as such so definitely um, agree with that one Another thing is adding extra vegetables um, into things like pasta sauce. So we know that, say, bolognese is a is a really traditional pasta sauce. Whether you're making it from a a, a meat sauce or um, maybe it might be lentils or even you know tofu. So many people are doing so many different things with tofu. I can't I can't keep up. But um, adding adding some vegetables into to sauces to to really increase. Um, your your overall vegetable intake and look the recommendations are that we want to try and get five serves of vegetables every single day that's what the australian guidelines are suggesting so for us that's one cup of um salad vegetables or half a cup of cooked vegetables so that's what one serve is so i always think you know when i'm making my meals breakfast lunch and dinner how can i add at least one serve in whether it be that full cup of salad vegetables or half a cup of of cooked vegetables so the smoothies is a good one the sauce is another good one another thing is frittatas as well so um, i I know we're talking a lot lot about plant-based nutrition here but you know if anybody does make egg-based frittatas hiding i'm not hiding but um, adding extra vegetables in there that's that's another really good one um trying to think think what else i've done um i made i made an ice cream bar the other week and this isn't talking about vegetables this is more in terms of getting in more fruit Um, but it was based it was made from frozen banana peanut butter and soaked cashews and it was like this beautiful creamy ice cream that was obviously you know dairy free and completely plant-based full of fiber and I was having it for dessert or even as an afternoon tea snack. And it was hard to believe that it was full of all of these wonderful, nutritious foods. Um, so yeah, just being a bit experimental, I think is probably my best tip. And um, don't be afraid to add fruits and vegetables in, into anything that you're making, because chances are they, they'll, they'll, they'll make themselves work one way or another. Just, yeah. yeah definitely. Don't mind.
0: <laughs> definitely million. I, I- I just wanna highlight that point that the reality is that we need to start incorporating more fiber into our diets, regardless if you're plant-based or you're not. These are just the labels that we associate food with. I think the real target should be to incorporate more fiber and these are really great practical tips, guys. So if you're not from the plant-based community and you're listening, this is an amazing resource for you guys to start incorporating those vegetables into your meals regardless of what you're cooking. And I think I'm a big, I'm really passionate about just getting people to eat more whole foods and more plants into their diet, regardless what they're doing, you know, 60% of the time, let's make sure that we're incorporating these fruits and vegetables at the forefront and really showcasing how amazing they can be.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. And it's hard with all the different labels now with, um, you know, high protein or vegan or plant based or, or whatever it is that you're doing. But I think at the end, our nutrition goal for for all of us is the exact same. And it's to get in more whole foods, get as much fiber, fruits, vegetables as we can. And we know that when we eat in this sort of um, I guess dietary pattern, um, our health t- you know, takes care of itself. So, like you said, the mess, the main message is, is the same for everyone. And we're all trying to achieve the same thing at the at the end of the day, no matter what um, our diet or our our dietary patterns are labeled as. So, yeah, I really like that point there, and I, t- I completely agree. <laughs>
0: Millie, I've got another couple of recipes for you guys at home, a little tips and tricks for how to incorporate more vegetables. When I actually, there's probably three here that I just come, they just come to my head just then, as you mentioned, the um, the ice cream bars, it got me thinking about how I make desserts and how I bake cakes and things like that. We've yeah. all had a carrot cake that tastes amazing before guys. So if we're looking for a great whole food recipe for a ca- carrot cake, I add zucchini and I add corn into my carrot cake and it just you'll be surprised how much sweetness you can get from those two vegetables adding into that um that cake itself it's just amazing the corn adds a nice little sweet bit of texture um, the zucchini is really moist so it helps bind it together and the carrot just speaks for itself so i know it sounds weird but don't knock it till you've tried it that's an amazing one that i do another one snacking on vegetables as well we mentioned that earlier in the podcast as well Millie and that's you know having your chopped carrots your chopped celery your chopped capsicum making a little bit of a hummus or um, having you know some sort of dip to have it with that's amazing snack there that's going to keep you fuller for longer and it's going to tie you over um, if that's sort of the break between your two main meals so I really think that that's a great practical tip as well
1: yeah, definitely. Speaking of the um, you know, adding vegetables to the sweets, I made some chickpea brownies the other week or chickpea blondies, however, however you want to refer to them. Uh-huh. Too and they were yeah they were delicious and you of course you couldn't taste the chickpeas because they just act as sort of like a starch or a binder but they're adding plant protein and fiber and prebiotic starch and iron to what we would typically associate you know maybe a less nutritious um, um food food as so um, you've probably seen the sweet potato brownie trend and the zucchini brownies and you can yeah, the, the what vegetables can do is endless and i love it that's why i'm always (laughs) pro vegetable and and pro getting more vegetables into your diet where you can good one for the kids as well actually yeah i was just going to say
0: that millie (laughs) this is these are great tips for kids as well and like if you're finding your kids fussy and they don't want to eat vegetables majority of kids are like oh no i don't want to eat vegetables because they can be so boring and and you know they're good for you so who wants to do things that are good for you yeah oh
1: exactly yeah
0: (laughs) so they're great little tips especially disguising them in pasta Um, I've got some little cousins that absolutely love that recipe. So give it a try. And on that note, guys, if you've got recipes at home that you haven't, that we, me and Millie haven't mentioned in this little podcast, please share them with us. I'd love to be able to find out what you guys are putting in your meals and how you're hiding your vegetables for, whether they're for kids or whether they're for your partner. Um, I'd love to know. So please share that with us all.
1: Yep, I agree. I'm always looking for new things that I can recommend to my clients as well. So I'll definitely be... um snooping around to, to find some of your recipes too.
0: Yeah, love it. Now, Millie, a lot of my community would know that I'm much about sustainable habits and trying to create sustainability through everything that we do. And I really believe that these, you know, tips and tricks that we've spoken about will become habits and really make them sustainable and ingrain them in your daily routine and and they're obviously benefiting your health and they're doing so many wonderful things for our body for our immune system for all the systems in our body and if we can start incorporating these as habits i really feel like that's one step closer to being you know one of the healthiest populations on the planet
1: yeah definitely yeah did you want me to share some of my sustainable habits or how how to keep habits sustainable
0: love it let's open up this can of worms
1: Beautiful. So there's four things that I like to look at, or four things that um, I advocate in terms of sustainable habits. So they have to be achievable, realistic, enjoyable, and practical. So it's no point going from zero to 100. You're not going to wake up on mon- on Monday morning, which you know most of us have probably done before and say, I'm going to transform my life. I'm going to start implementing all these healthy habits and I'm going to be the healthiest I've ever been. You have to take small steps, small achievable, um, steps as such so instead of saying to yourself i want to increase my water and i want to add more vegetables and i want to run five kilometers a day and i want to eat less chocolate or whatever it might be for you set yourself one of those tasks and once you've achieved that once you've ticked it off then move on to the next one because i don't know about you matt but i see this a lot um you know with people around me not even just my clients but family members and friends is they're they're trying to achieve everything at once and then it becomes overwhelming they throw the towel in they feel like they've failed they say oh this healthy lifestyle stuff is it's all too hard but it's just about doing what what works for you and um just i think taking a step back and and getting back to basics and, and working on on one habit at a time and we know that habits can take up to 28 days to or sorry i guess um lifestyle changes can take up to 28 days to to form into a habit so it takes time and health is it's, it's not a this sounds so cliche but it's not a destination as such it's more a journey and you have to do what works for your lifestyle as well and if you've got kids you know going on a strict meal plan is probably not necessarily the way to go because it needs to um be be viable and applicable for your family as well so don't just forget don't don't just think about yourself but think about your environment and and who you're living with and what food you've got access to so i think they're all really really important things to consider one of my favorite um i guess Tips as such, when it comes to sustainable habits, is this concept called crowding, and I don't know if you've heard about it, Matt. But essentially, it's just trying to crowd in more of the good foods and then the less nutritious or the um, I don't want to say bad foods because I don't like using good and bad foods, but those foods that we would negatively that we would generally want to try and consume less of. Um, it sort of pushes those out. So if we look at including more, you know, fruits and vegetables or even if it's, you know, even if we're looking at hydration, if we look at crowding in more water, the soft drink or the coffee or the alcohol is going to be pushed out by that better habit. And it's, yeah, it's the same with fruits and vegetables. If we're crowding our plate with, with vegetables, the, the processed um, or refined carbohydrates or the fatty cuts of meat are going to be pushed out. So I think it's just getting back to basics, simplifying it, don't overcomplicate it. Be be wary of who you're listening to as well on the media. In the media um, and on, you know, Instagram and Facebook, not everybody has a qualification when they're talking about healthy lifestyles. So, so just keep that in mind as well. And know that there is no quick fix. I think so many people come to me and are hoping for me to prescribe them some collagen powder or greens powder or weight loss shake to cure all of their health problems and solve all of their worries. But the truth is it just doesn't happen like that. And when I say to them, you need to set really small set small goals it and achieve those tick them off move on to the next one it, it doesn't sound glamorous which is why i don't think many of us have it have it down pat so i'd love to get your your thoughts if you, if you agree with with that i couldn't agree um, more that,
0: there millie There was, yeah. was some really great tips and and the reality is that long-term sustainable progress isn't sexy so it doesn't appeal to exactly. a lot of people and it's really really hard to be able to quantify some long-term sustainable goals like especially in nowadays society, we're all looking for these glamorous sort of fast, quick fixes and, and, you know, amazing results in a short period of time with as least effort as possible. But creating those sustainable long-term goals is really going to benefit you more in the long time and it's going to help you you know transform your life and i love that cliche that you used: that health is not a destination it is a journey and you're never stopping on this journey this journey is incredible and you're constantly evolving and adapting new um bits of information and, and lifestyle hacks into your regime and i really really couldn't agree more with that and it translates a lot into the things that i'm doing within the fitness realm i know We've all heard of these eight, six-week, 12-week challenges where a lot of people give their all to the challenge for 12 weeks and then don't really learn how to make sustainable change and fall back into the same habits that they were doing 12 weeks earlier. Whereas I think the long-term goal is more beneficial because along that way, we are learning, we're adapting, and we're evolving, and we're changing our habits to be able to, you know make these habits last instead of just working for 12 weeks at a time if that makes sense
1: yeah yeah definitely funny you mentioned the challenges as well because i um I have a bit of a sensitive spot when it comes to talking about challenges because exactly what you said i find that that's going against exactly everything that we've been talking about and exercising you know three times a day and consuming 1200 calories isn't sustainable for anybody and it's um i guess those those styles of um how would i call them all those you know those lifestyle challenges that encourage really restrictive behaviors but they're often so restrictive that they're unachievable. And then when you return back to your normal life, you feel like you've failed. And then exactly like you were saying, you get back on that challenge bandwagon, you drop the weight because you've been exercising excessively or or eating really, really minimal amounts. And then again, you go back, um, I call it the challenge cycle. And then you 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 go back to your normal way of eating, you re-put on that weight and it it just creates really, really... um, a really poor relationship between yourself and food and exercise so that was some mumble jumble of words there but um, I said what I'm, <laughs> what I'm trying to get at is that that's why I don't agree with challenges because it goes against everything I believe in terms of setting yourself achievable and sustainable goals
0: yeah Millie, I could not agree more and I've fallen into this challenge trap myself and and it really you know it's away at your whole lifestyle and I guess you and I, we're not demonizing challenges because they're fantastic in the way that they get people moving, they get people motivated, they get people enthusiastic, but you know, everyone's on a different spectrum, a different part of this long spectrum. And there's no use if you're down the bottom end of the spectrum and you're going from zero activity, poor nutrition to jump right to the top end of the spectrum, six training days a week, whole foods only. We need to work towards that and climb those sets of stairs it's, yeah, it's a process guys. And and like, I know it's really, really hard to market and make this sound sexy, but you're going to adapt and evolve along that way. And you're going to learn so many different, you know, tips and tricks and really get more in tune with your body. And guys, from personal experience, I fell down this trap, you know, five years ago, going through all this these weight loss crazes and then all these restrictive diets and overtraining. And the one thing that gave me clarity with everything that I'm doing, at, you know, made me be more successful in terms of my training output um it made me mentally aware of how demonizing that was at the at the time um and when i finally you know let the shackles free for lack of a better term and started to live in abundance that was when i started to see the most of the most results and i guess if it's if the thing that you know you've just signed up for or um or you've just included into your lifestyle if it's removing more things than it's adding i think it might be a really really good point to rethink what the what the actual challenge or or the process is itself and and really evaluate if that's right for you at the at the point in time and it may be and it may not be so just really really start being more in tune with with our bodies and our decisions
1: yeah i agree with what you're saying about being in tune and i think that's one of the reasons or what i was trying to get across before in terms of of challenges is you you lose tune in with your body and I, I see so many of my clients or you know even friends and family who have stepped out of a challenge and they don't even know how to determine if they're hungry anymore or if they're satisfied or, or what their body needs because they're so used to following rules and, and regulations and guidelines around their lifestyle and I see that snowball into a whole range of disordered potentially disordered eating, um, issues with body image, issues with weight, and that's not where I stand as a practitioner, but I agree with what you're saying. I think there's, there's definitely a time and place, and for some people it can really make you appreciate as well um, what life is like when, when you're not doing a challenge. And I, I talk to my sister about this a lot because she's um, she went through a stage where she was, like, tracking everything she was eating and, and being really strict and following really... Um, strict exercise regimes, but that taught her that that wasn't the right thing for her. So I think sometimes going through that or or participating in a challenge or a behavior that doesn't resonate with you um, can only be a learning experience as well. So I guess that's, that's my point. It's not about demonizing anybody who's um, or looking negatively upon anybody that's, that's done some sort of challenge or restrictive lifestyle, but it's just about learning and, and moving forward and knowing what works for you.
0: Yeah. So great bit of advice there, Amelia. I could not agree more. And you, you know, you do learn, different lessons from different experiences in your life and I truly believe that everything happens for a reason and and you experience certain things for a reason to develop you know your belief systems to change your belief systems um, and really it helps you find your passion and I know if I didn't go through that sort of phase in my life I wouldn't be doing the things that I'm doing today. So yeah, I'm really grateful for that, for that opportunity as well, Millie. Now you're you're doing some incredible things and obviously the listeners at home can see how passionate you are about changing our eating behaviors and really trying to help people thrive. I love to know what your main message is, Millie, and why do you get out of bed each and every day?
1: Yes, oh, thank you for saying that. I am very passionate, as I'm sure you can all tell, and sometimes too passionate. I get a little little bit lost in my words and what I want to say because I always have so much to say. But look, as a dietitian, my nutrition philosophy is do what works for you, really, really, you know, bring it back to basics, set yourself small, achievable goals. Remember that food is more than fuel, and food is about enjoyment and fun, which we were speaking about before, and bringing people together. Food is about variety variety is something that that we've spoken about so always try and add variety into your diet um know who to trust as well so again look for people with qualifications like yourself matt or or me or i'm sure a a greater community um, on social media there's a lot of qualified people out there giving really really good advice so try and tune into those people where you can and just you know love food and love health and just yeah, enjoy it. I think when we start taking it too seriously, it becomes a chore. And you know what gets me out of bed in the morning is to convey that message to my clients or my followers on Instagram or my partner or my mom and I love I love helping people and I love educating people and and showing them how easy and how enjoyable it can be to lead a healthy lifestyle and that's what I've always preached and just for me, I'm just a massive foodie in general. So it's all about food for nutrition, but it's about food for for love and enjoyment and memory, which I could talk about all day. But that's my main message. And um, I'm always here, you know, if anybody wants to reach out to me on Instagram or through email and ask me questions or um, wants to dig a little deeper into what I'm about and my nutrition philosophy, you're more than welcome to do that too.
0: Yeah, I'm sitting here with a grin on my face merely from the thing. <laughs> said I completely agree and and it's really hard going back into talking about how regulated the advice is in this field nutrition and dietetics it's quite hard and the consumer is finds it really difficult to distinguish information that they see on their Facebook news feed from someone with no qualifications that may have your best interests at heart from someone that is actually qualified which also does have your best interest at heart but understands the (laughs) body as a whole so guys really really important that you immerse yourself with some credible sources and just because something worked for someone doesn't necessarily mean it worked for you so please go and get the right advice if you're experiencing you know, any of these imbalances or things that you don't feel normal with your nutrition, eating behaviours, please reach out. Um, on that note, Millie, where can people contact you if they resonated with anything that you said today?
1: yeah of course so my main platform is instagram that's where I spend a lot of my time educating and talking um, to my to my followers so my instagram handle is dietitian edition I also have a website www.dietitianedition.com um, or you can email me as well which you can find through my website or my instagram so that's where I hang out and I would love um, anyone's feedback or if you've got any questions or I'm also always listening to my followers in terms of what they want me to post so please let me know if um, there's anything that you want to pick my brain about
0: (laughs) I'll have those in the show notes for you guys and like Millie said please let us know what you got out of this episode if you've got any other tips and tricks for us we love taking on bits of information always love evolving so yeah please reach out Millie thank you so much for your time today I've had a blast and I'm sure the listeners got a lot out of it so look forward to watching this space
1: yeah thanks Matt so welcome thanks so much for having me
0: Well friends what did you think of that one? I personally thought there were some cracking tips for anybody no matter where you are on your health journey. I think this is a fantastic time for people to start looking inward at how they can prevent the presence of disease in their life especially with COVID-19 and the challenges that that's possessed, I really think that this is a unique time for people to empower and educate themselves with the knowledge on how to live a long, fruitful life. As I mentioned in the introduction, guys, please let us know what you thought about the podcast and don't forget to take a screenshot of the cover and share it around, letting us know that you're listening. Also, guys, if you've got a spare moment and you want to support the show, head over to iTunes and leave a rating and review. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the absolute world. Well, I hope you have a fantastic week. I look forward to hearing from you soon and I shall see you next time on the Euphoria Health Podcast.